I want to read a quote from Doug Williford. It says, If my wife comes to be in obvious pain and asks, Do you love me? An answer of, I love everyone, would be truthful, but it would also be hurtful and cruel in the moment. If a coworker comes to me upset and says, My father just died, a response of, Everyone's parents die, would be truthful, but hurtful and cruel in the moment. So when a friend speaks up in a time of obvious pain and hurt and says black lives matter, a response of all lives matters is truthful, but it's hurtful and cruel in the moment. We are here to let you know that black lives matter, that black birth matters. We are a company whose goal is to make pregnancy, birth, and postpartum recovery better. It's not better until it's better for everyone. The racial disparities in birth are well documented. Black pregnant people are nearly four times more likely to die from pregnancy-related complications than white pregnant people. Black pregnant people are also more likely to experience preterm birth and three times more likely to give birth to a low-weight infant. This disparity persists even after researchers controlled for confounding medical and sociodemographic risk factors such as low income, low education, and alcohol and tobacco use. In fact, research actually shows that the gap widens as socioeconomic levels increase. In addition to the well-documented racism within the medical system, there's also a chronic stress that comes from being a person of color, and research shows this contributes to these outcomes. None of this is okay, and I hope you get as riled up as I am about it. We must all do our part to support the fight, and we promise you that here at One Strong Mama that we will continue to do this work, and we will not stop. Every time I turn around, there's like a new prenatal vitamin on the market, and it's all about marketing. If that supplement company has good marketing, then more people are gonna buy that vitamin. And that's just what I see and it's kind of, it's upsetting because people don't know what to look for and they just think like, ooh, this is trendy and new, let me start taking this one. It's like, no, that could be totally like wrong for you. Welcome to the One Strong Mama podcast, the no BS show that's not afraid to get real about all things pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and beyond. We're talking with visionaries who are challenging the status quo and changing the world one pregnancy and one birth at a time. I'm Lindsay McCoy, mama four, exercise physiologist, doula, and childbirth educator. My passion is making pregnancy, childbirth, and recovery better. And I'm also passionate about coconut LaCroix. And I'm Lauren O'Hayan, a mom of three girls, lover of all things tropical. I have never had coconut LaCroix, and I am known for my work with the core and pelvic floor. On today's episode, we're talking to the prenatal nutritionist, Ryan Kipping. We discussed the validity of Lauren's irreverent vitamin stance. And now I wonder if vitamin D could have helped my hard labors. We also dove into the sushi and cravings convo. Super cool to know what vitamins your body is likely looking for with those cravings. And if you're a practitioner, this episode has a lot of good myth-busting nuggets, so stay tuned. Ryan is a clinically trained, registered dietitian, nutritionist, certified lactation educator, and author of the Feel Good Pregnancy Cookbook. 
She is the founder of the Prenatal Nutritionist, a virtual nutrition private practice. And Ryan helps women feel confident in their ability to properly nourish a growing baby through a real food approach. So all of those things I wish I had when I was pregnant too many years ago. Um, So Ryan, thank you so much for being here with us. Let's begin. Let's begin by you telling us a little bit about your beginnings and about yourself and how did you become the prenatal nutritionist? Yeah, I'm so excited to be here, first of all. Um, But good question. I have actually always been interested in prenatal nutrition. I um, have loved it ever since I sat in that first college class and um, they talked about prenatal nutrition. After, you know, I graduated, I started working for a clinic. So seeing pregnant women and breastfeeding women um, in a clinic. And then I decided I wanted to start my own business because I wanted to see more clients and just reach more people uh, besides, you know, the women that I was just reaching here in San Diego where I live. Um, But now it's really cool because I can reach, you know, potentially thousands of women from doing what I do online and then also having my business totally virtual. Um, It allows me a much larger reach. And um, yeah, I just, I love it. That's amazing. Um, So cool. cool. Thank you. And so I'm going to just dive in with some things I'm really curious about. Um, I was, you know, doing research on your website and I read about your P plus method. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, And I read this, I'm just going to read what I read online and then I would love, I would love for you just to tell us more. So this is what I read. The P plus method will show you science based strategies to overcome common pregnancy annoyances, maintain your energy grow a healthy baby and feel good for the whole nine months. And so of course I'm like, oh my God, what, what are those science-based strategies? Can you, can you share with us? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So this is a program that I just recently launched. It actually soft launched um, in December. And then I officially launched it just this year. I've been opening and closing enrollment just so I can really focus on the students that are in the program currently, um, and then just take their feedback and keep making updates to it. So all that to say, it's about to relaunch at the end of March. Um, I'm not sure when this is going to air or anything, but yeah, so it's going to relaunch at the end of March. Um, And from then on, it'll actually be available always for people to enroll in, um, which is really exciting and kind of how I wanted it to be from the get-go. Basically, it's a completely comprehensive course that... I'm trying to cover everything under the sun about prenatal nutrition, which is basically the essentials that I think, you know, women either trying to be pregnant or are currently pregnant need to know to have a healthy pregnancy. Um, So when I say science-based nutrition strategies, that is just to mention that it's very research-driven. So everything all of the presentations that are in the program, you can see all my sources cited. So even if you're someone who really likes that and is like super nerdy and into like reading research and wants to just see the original sources of my work, um, you can actually go to those sources yourself if you want to. Some people are like, no, that sounds terrible. I would never want to read research. So (laughs) um, I am breaking it down for everyone too. um, And just like small, short presentations that you can watch whenever you have the time. So give us, what's like one, let's say one issue that lots of people have, like a pregnancy annoyance, and then what's 
a way that we can use diet to like what we eat to help with it? Yeah. So I think one of the biggest common annoyances of pregnancy um, is nausea, I would probably say. Um, sure. Probably, <laughs> Yeah, probably followed by heartburn. Those are kind of two of the top ones. But yeah, when we're thinking about nausea, there is a lot of research that shows that vitamin B6 is extremely helpful. Um, so whether that's, you know, thinking about increasing your vitamin C intake through food, or if that's, you know, taking an extra supplement with vitamin B6, uh, that's a great way to help control nausea. And then another nutrient also I, I want to mention is magnesium. So magnesium, when they've done some tests on pregnant women who have had, you know, pretty severe nausea, they found that their magnesium levels are a bit lower. So that's another nutrient we can immediately, you know, even pre-pregnancy, we can work to increase both of those nutrients um, to try to help. And it's not that you can prevent nausea. <laughs> Let me just say that because I get that question a lot too. Um, you know, people will message me like, oh my gosh, I'm like terrified of getting morning sickness. Like, is there anything I can do to prevent it? And I'm like, well, not really, but you know, having these nutrients as high as you can is definitely beneficial for a lot more than just nausea. Yeah. It's so funny because we live in such a quick fix society mm. where it's like, there must be a pill yes. for everything. Therefore, why has nobody figured out how to like tell me <laughs> what to do for my nausea? And nausea is just one of those things that's exactly. like, you just need to suck it up. Like it sucks. Carbs make most people feel better. And <laughs> right. there you go. Um, hopefully yeah. <laughs> it'll pass in the first trimester, but it's interesting. Um, can I segue yeah. talking about carbs made me kind of want to ask you about, so we have been speaking to a bunch of kind of the whole fuck diet people. And I work, and so does Lindsay, with so many people who are trying to escape diet culture. So mm -hmm. in this whole kind of fuck diet culture, these are really people who are ardently pro-intuitive eating. And they're really like cautious of diet culture and the vulnerability of pregnant and postpartum people. So I'm just wondering, what is your take on diets, but also whether we, those of us who are working with pregnant people, whether we should be exercising caution when dealing with this population, because pregnancy dramatically changes the body and so many people feel like they don't recognize their body or it's no longer theirs or it's been taken over. And I'm just wondering about how to kind of empower, but educate at the same time. And how do we teach nutrition in a way that doesn't perpetuate disordered eating and diet toxicity? Does yeah, that make obsession. Sense? Yeah. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I, I've never heard of this movement that you're talking about. Obviously, I know about intuitive eating and those types of movements, but um, yeah, that's new to me, that whole thing you just mentioned. Ooh, I can send you some links after. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think the thing is that we can get so obsessed with the way we're eating. And then during pregnancy, we get so obsessed with the number on the scale because yeah. we have to mm -hmm. eat so often. And a lot of people really struggle because they're gaining weight. And yeah. we, have, we live in this society where there's a diet. There's, you know, I don't want to name a bunch of them, but there's a lot. There's, a <laughs> di there's so many diets. You yeah. know, now ones are, you know, keto, Whole30. There's a lot, lot of different ones. So um, it can get really, we can just get really obsessive. And so how do we teach people how to eat in a way that, you know, is helpful and isn't 
hurting them. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I totally get what you guys are saying. And um, I think it's, I don't know if you guys are seeing this, but from my perspective, I'm seeing a lot of dietitians um, switch more so to like the intuitive mindful eating approach as opposed Mm -hmm. to like, you know, calorie counting or extreme portion control and um, all these things. And granted, I do think there is a time and a place for those things. Um, Everyone is so different and we all learn so differently too. So I chances are I would probably not be teaching nutrition the same way to every single person, if that makes sense. Some people are more, like I was just explaining earlier, some people are way more into like the science of things. And some people are way more into like, just tell me what foods to eat. (laughs) Um, Just to be like kind of black and white about that. Um, But it's really interesting that you also mentioned the weight thing, because obviously I work with pregnant women. um, And weight is definitely a factor, but I hardly ever talk about like the number on the scale. Like I don't make my clients like, okay, what did you weigh this time? Or like, let's check in on your weight. Like that is, I don't hardly ever mention that to any of my clients um, because focusing on the food aspect and how can we, you know, choose as many healthy choices as we can, of course, while managing all the symptoms that come with pregnancy. And then usually the weight that a woman should gain comes pretty naturally, you know, as far as what I see with my clients. I love that. I um, I had a midwife tell me that what she likes to do is more important than looking at the number on the scale. Of course, they have to weigh people to right. make sure there's not a significant weight gain, which could mean different medical things. But she said more important is her asking what have, what have you been eating this week? You know, because yeah, that's awesome. It says a lot more about what's going on. It gives a more clear picture. Yeah. Can I play devil's advocate? Of course. I'm like, do it. But wait, please. What have you been eating? So, you know, Ryan, just because I mentioned a culture and you were like, I have I haven't heard of that. That's interesting. I'll just give a little bit of kind of background with the in like the fuck diet culture. The idea is that our culture and our society has been very primed to look at everybody as a number and to basically um, prize thin and to shame fat. And that we, as um, especially as as women, we are very, very vulnerable to that. Mm-hmm. And so, and what can happen is we go on a yo-yo journey. We gain, we lose, we gain, we lose, we gain, we lose. We're never really satisfied. We we end up loving ourselves, hating ourselves. The whole before and after <laughs> phenomena that is going on. And so, even the words "What did you eat this week?" I think can be very triggering to somebody. Yeah, I can see that. Who is, who has, and I'm just, Ryan, I guess I'm curious about your take on that. And what did, did you eat this week? What if the answer is I ate pizza all week? Is there then a shame associated with that? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, what did you eat this week kind of sets us up for you will be rewarded if you ate. X amount of food, like X types of foods, and you will be yeah. punished if you. <laughs> Hopefully, ate no ice one does cream. that. Um, no, I am totally like open and transparent with all my clients. Um, honesty is the best thing ever because I never want my clients to feel like they can't tell me that they ate something. If that makes sense, like I am one hundred percent not the food police by any means. Um, I don't think anyone should be the food police. I just hate that term to begin with. Um, unfortunately it goes around a bit, 
but yeah, I, I want my clients to be open and honest with me and I would never shame anyone for eating pizza or ice cream or any of their favorite foods. Um, this just makes me think I had someone write a comment on one of my posts on Instagram the other day that was, you know, she wrote a whole lot about her journey with pregnancy and she had PCOS and um, just a few things going on. It sounded like I don't really know anything about her other than the comment on my post. Um, but she had said something like, is it okay if I have like just like a half a donut every now and then, or is that going to mess up my chances of getting pregnant? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like <laughs> that just makes me so sad that uh. people, people even think that, you know, but, um, so that relates to this whole movement of we we're all trying to be perfect, but perfect does not exist. Uh, it's just that back to like everything in moderation and you can absolutely enjoy your favorite sweet treats. Like I would never make my clients cut out like cookies, you know, that would just be crazy. Mm -hmm. I think it's very, I think it's similar to the way we approach exercise, Lauren and alignment. There's a lot of stuff going around that is, you know, sitting is evil. Don't sit sit on the floor. And yes, it's good to sit on the floor, but it's also okay to sit on your couch sometimes. Mm -hmm. Right. 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 So, <clears throat> yeah, that's so true. Same. Yeah. Yeah. So along with the idea of what we should and could <laughs> be doing, all of this should, we should, you should be taking these vitamins. So are you <laughs> a fan of, so I was like the irreverent pregnant person and you're the irreverent uh, person. <laughs> I am just irreverent in general, yeah. and I broke every rule possible and kind of stuck up my middle finger to everything that I should have been doing when I was pregnant. So I, of course, didn't take prenatal vitamins because I didn't. I was skeptical about their efficacy, and I'm wondering yeah. if you do you like prenatal vitamins? Are you a fan? And if you are, why? And how do we know? Like, how do we know that our body is actually getting those nutrients? And or vitamins. And of course, like, what do you look for? Like, give us the skinny, uh, no pun intended, give us the skinny <laughs> on prenatal vitamins. Yeah. So I don't think they're absolutely necessary for everyone. Um, I work with a couple clients who have had the same school of thought that you kind of just explained, um, or just the thought that they don't want to put anything you know, quote unquote, like artificial into their bodies. And they just don't really believe in taking anything other than real food, which I totally understand. Um, so I've worked with clients who have had this thought and, you know, it's like, you can be completely fine and you can meet your needs through food. And that's the goal. You know, that's the goal for if you're not pregnant or if you're, you are pregnant. Um, that's kind of how one of my philosophies as a dietitian is just to use food first, try to meet all our needs through food. If that doesn't work, then we can kind of look at adding in some supplements. And then we also have to consider so many things like so many people have allergies or intolerances or sensitivities or, you know, religious reasons people eliminate foods. Um, so when we start eliminating things from our diet, that's when it gets a bit tricky. So that's when I do think there is definitely a need for a prenatal vitamin. Um, but it's just confusing, right? Like it's so confusing. The supplement industry is like a billion dollar market. Mm -hmm. Every time I turn around, there's like a new prenatal vitamin on the market and it's all about marketing. Like it really is. <laughs> Everyone, if that supplement company has good marketing, then more people are going to buy that 
vitamin. And that's just what I see. And it's kind of, yeah, I, I'm like going off on a soapbox here, but this it's just, great. I love it. It's upsetting because people don't know what to look for and they just think like, Ooh, this is trendy and new. Let me start taking this one. It's like, no, that could be totally like wrong um, for you or just maybe they, they're not third party tested. I'm really big into making sure, you know, like you were saying with efficacy and just like truth and labeling and all of these things. Um, I hate to call any brands, but there was a brand that recently they found lead in their prenatal vitamins. Oh, tell us who call yeah. them out. <laughs> it was rainbow light. Okay. Uh, oh, and I hear about that one a lot. I hear it getting yeah. recommended a lot. Yeah. Which is a pretty, it's a pretty popular one. Um, yeah. So they found lead in their prenatal vitamins and I don't, I, I can't even remember if they were third party tested or not, but anyways, yeah. So you just never know. And it's so just crazy. How are you assessing? <clears throat> do you yeah. make recommendations and feel free if you do to mention them? I'm sure our listeners would love to hear them, but how, do, how does one look at a label? Because I was about to say too, that Oftentimes you go to like a nutritionist's website and then they're selling the supplements and then you're like, that's kind of shady too. I get it. If you really love it, right. are you recommending it because you're making this massive affiliate fee off of it? So I'd love to know what, what you're looking for in a vitamin, what we should look for, what should the label say? And I'd also love to know if you do have a, a brand that you checked out and you've done your research on and you recommend. Yeah. So like I said already, definitely third-party testing. Um, that's one of the first things I look for for any company because that means they've basically taken the extra step to say like, here's our supplement, check it out, make sure we're checking all of our boxes, make sure that everything that we say is in there mm -hmm. is actually in there. So they'll actually pay, that company will actually pay someone to do this testing for them. Um, so it will say, you know, you can just go to whatever supplement you're looking into's website and it will say 100% it'll say on there somewhere that they have third-party testing. Um, so it's a pretty easy label to, to spot. And there are a few different companies that will do it like consumer lab is a third-party tester. It's, that's the only one I can think of right now, but there are like three main big ones. Um, and then as far as nutrients go, so I always, I preach this like 24 seven on my Instagram page, um, because I probably get like 10 DMs a day that says, what's the best prenatal vitamin? Yeah. People just want to know, like, tell us the one. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm like that, unfortunately there is no answer. Like I never just push one supplement to the masses because that just doesn't make sense. Like I was saying earlier too, like we all have different uh, food preferences. We have different food allergies. Some people just have reasons they don't eat certain foods. Um, and then we have to look at lab work and nutrient intake. So all of these things play a role into what I recommend to my clients, which is why I never really talk about like, oh, this is a, you know, supplement that everyone should be taking mm -hmm. because that's just not true and it just wouldn't be accurate to do so. However, a lot of supplements are missing certain ingredients, certain vitamins that I, that are pretty key, um, like choline. I'm sure you guys have heard many dietitians talk about choline. So a lot of supplements don't even have choline. A lot of them don't have, some of them don't have magnesium, selenium, iodine. What's the other one I'm thinking of? Uh, vitamin K2, which is a different kind of vitamin K than we all 
are used to thinking about. Um, so that's just a short list there. And, <laughs> and then it's... like the folate thing too, isn't there yes. a difference between folic acid and yeah. folate, something like that? Yeah. So most, most supplements, um, contain folic acid, which in reality they should really all be containing folate or the next step, which is the active form of folate, which is like, it'll say like L-methyl folate or methylated folate or something like that. But yeah, that's a huge confusion too. So you said before that for people like me who are so irreverent about vitamins and (laughs) that, you know, ideally we could be getting a lot of it from our food sources. I was told when somebody was trying to kind of vitamin push onto me, uh, a nutritionist (laughs) friend of mine, her uh, argument was, well, actually, because of the way food is grown these days, you can't get all of your nutrients from food. And just because of the way humans eat today, a lot of the nutrients that we need, like the supplements, you can't get them from food. So you were saying before a minute ago, I heard, I feel like you were saying that mm-hmm. certain people can. I'm curious, what would a diet look like where all of the appropriate nutrients were being met by foods and you didn't need a vitamin? Like how would that have to happen? Because yeah. aren't people really deficient in D and, yes. and some of the D3s? And I feel like D, vitamin D A2. and magnesium, everyone, almost everyone's deficient, yeah. but I could be wrong. Ryan's the expert. So that. how do you, yeah, how do you like, how do you eat enough of, how, what do you need to get those without a vitamin and how do you, yeah, like how does one do that? Yeah. So the first important thing I would definitely say is testing. So making sure you're testing your levels because I mean, like nobody really knows, like I could look at your intake and think like, okay, you're checking it off. You're meeting, you know, a thousand milligrams of this and this, if you're eating exactly this every day, you know? Um, but we don't really know until we test. And so I think that's the very, very, very first key when I'm working with anyone who doesn't want to take any supplements. And and generally, I like with this one client I'm thinking of in particular, I did have her take folate. And I think that was in the very first part of her pregnancy. And my other point here too, I'll get back to that next question, but I wanted to mention this too, is that in the first trimester, like we already talked about nausea. So that is another reason why taking a prenatal vitamin is advantageous because you're not eating your usual diet. Usually during that first trimester, it's more carb heavy and you just hate all vegetables and you know, all the things. So that's the case where if you could keep down a prenatal vitamin during that first trimester, it would definitely be beneficial. But I mean, there are also cases where you know, you don't have any nausea and you can diet as is and it would be wonderful and joyous. Um, but anyways, yeah. So I think that you would have to be eating in, if we're talking about in pregnancy, you'd have to be eating at least 2000 calories a day to even think about going no supplement, if that makes sense. Okay. So there's not necessarily a certain food group that you associate with certain nutrients that we really, really want to hone in on during pregnancy? Um, so yeah, I mean, definitely if you were, yeah, there is definitely a lot, um, to talk about. And then if if you were thinking about like vegans and vegetarian, which is another huge topic that, um, we could probably take a few hours to cover. Um, I would absolutely recommend supplementing your diet if you are cutting out animal foods, 100%. 
Okay. I'm a vegetarian and I was I'm during not. <laughs> my three pregnancies. Um, yeah. Interesting. And I never took a prenatal, but it's interesting because a few years ago I felt social media pressure to take yeah. a, like somebody was posting in one of my groups and I was like, that oh sounds gosh. like I could be deficient in that. Right. I don't know why, but I started taking, I think it was like K2 and D3. Do they come together sometimes? I feel they do. In my, okay. And yeah. within a week of taking it, I woke up every day with a crazy metallic taste in my mouth. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah. So I stopped and then the metallic taste went away and somebody else, you know, the um, Facebook experts then told me that I was probably, <laughs> I didn't need those supplements and therefore uh, I was over I mean, you live in yeah. Miami, it's sunny. You're getting probably- Yeah. A, I mean, a it just yeah. sounds like, it, it sounds like from talking to you that everyone needs their own private nutritionist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, the other, the other thing I think is that- why are providers not testing for these things? I think some of them oh, are. I know, crazy. Uh, I know a midwife clinic here that always tests vitamin D status. I'm sure they test other ones as well. Yeah. But the majority aren't. They're just being oh, like, I know. whatever. And yeah. I just read a research study that talks about vitamin D and its correlation to labor pain. So mm-hmm. the study basically looked at all of the people in the study got epidurals, but the ones that were deficient in vitamin D, and I'd have to look at the exact levels, they needed more pain medication in order to not be, you know, uncomfortable. Yeah, that's so interesting. So, and, and I'm sure there's other reasons why we need, you know, that nutrient, but- um, Had I known that, I would have been eating bottles of vitamin D. Right? <laughs> I know. Sometimes you need to give people that. I lived in New them. York City back then. Oh, yep. <laughs> Uh-huh. So I have a question. I'm curious because Lindsay and I in our movement, so we are, she's a doula and we're both okay. childbirth educators and then we're both movement teachers. And we're, you know, some people think of us as being very anti-Kegels. Do you know a Kegel? Like a, a vaginal pelvic floor contraction. So yeah. a lot of pregnant people are told that Um, you save your pelvic floor by doing a Kegel. And one of the big myths that Lindsay and I work to debunk is that's actually not true. Like not every person needs Kegels. And so um, is there a nutrition myth that you hear all the time? Forget about nausea. Let's take nausea off the table because we all know that there's a lot of myths. (laughs) But is there a myth that you hear all the time that you are constantly trying to debunk around nutrition, food, dieting, pregnancy, any of that? We announced in our last episode that we were closing the doors on the Body Ready Method professional course for the year. We decided to extend that by a week so that we could really focus in on spotlighting injustice and racial disparities in birth last week. We will continue to use our platform to support black lives and black birth. We also want to let you know that if you've been thinking about joining the Body Ready Method professional course, now is the time. We will be spending the rest of the year supporting our current teachers, and this is the last time that you'll be able to get into the program this year. The doors will close on Sunday, June 14th. The course is still at a discounted pandemic price, 
and we have scholarships for those in need and for birth workers of color. And we would be honored to have you join us in teaching this important and transformative work to pregnant people. Please reach out to support at bodyreadymethod.com and you can sign up and check out the program at bodyreadymethod.com. Oh my gosh, there's so many. Um, <laughs> I know, I should have prepared you in advance. <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. Um, I'm actually doing like a myth or fact series on my Instagram right now. Um, and a really a lot of the common avoid list items are just so fear-based that people are literally terrified of eating them. So the things like deli meats, soft cheeses, fish, like some women are so scared about fish that they just don't eat it. Um, when in reality it provides like a massive amount of nutrients, um, especially DHA, like DHA is highest in fish usually. And women just don't eat it because they're scared. They've heard like the mercury, you know, and it is harmful to baby, but there's actually studies that have tested mercury levels, like at the end of women's pregnancies and those who ate fish and those who did not eat fish at all. Um, and they found that of course the woman who ate fish had higher mercury levels, but despite that they had better pregnancy outcomes than the woman who did not eat fish at all. Interesting. So, yeah. How do you define a pregnancy outcome? <clears throat> um, I think this study, I can't, I'd have to look it up specifically, but it was like, I think it was measuring like infant outcomes too. So I think it was maybe APGARs, maybe APGAR scores, things like that. It might've been, I'd do. have to look specifically at the study. <laughs> um, yeah, but That's it okay. was, sorry. I catch people off guard with my questions. I think, sometimes. well, I think that is so true because I remember not so much when I was pregnant with my second, third or fourth, because by then I was a little irreverent, but I remember the first time Mm -hmm. being so worried to even paint my nails. I was thinking like, oh no, there's something toxic for the baby. Or I remember <laughs> the deli meat thing as well, yeah. but I just didn't order it. But I remember people asking um, mm -hmm. if they would warm up their deli meat because the thing was they didn't want it cold for some reason. I guess if you heated it up, it was fine. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that that's the thing. We get so worried that it's going to harm the baby that we don't eat any of that stuff. I think the other one is yeah. sushi. What do you yeah. think about sushi? Yeah. Yeah. So sushi is definitely another one. But when you think about sushi, like there's so many different types. So sushi is such like a broad. For sure. You know, um, so definitely like cooked rolls, obviously, if you're eating anything cooked keeping in mind still like the super high mercury fish that we're told to avoid like shark and swordfish and those things. Um, I still generally say avoid those as much as you can, but if you're taking that out of the picture, then if it's cooked, it's okay. Um, if there's like veggie rolls, obviously those are okay. So um, you're not a fan of the raw fish during pregnancy. No, no, no that's what I was getting to. So yeah. Oh, okay. So, um, I think it's okay. I think as long as you are at a reliable spot, like you, it's not like a gas station where they're just, oh, for sure. yeah. that's on, not good anyway. You know? Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you know, the source, most likely it's probably going to be pretty expensive. And even if you wanted to talk to like the chefs, because 
the thing is sushi is supposed to be like the raw fish is supposed to be flash frozen or blast frozen. It's one of those terms for like 24 hours before it's served or prepared. Um, and that like greatly reduces the risks of any parasites or bacteria or anything growing in it. Um, so you could ask the chef and like talk to them like, where did you get this? And like, how did it prepare if you wanted to go that extent? Also our intuition is pretty good. So if it looks weird or smells weird or just having a weird feeling about it, I know this sounds like what, but normally, yeah, normally our intuitions are very accurate. So I think just kind of listening to yourself. And what are the fish that you like? So I was a vegetarian for most of my life and I do now eat more fish trying to vary my protein intake. So, you know, and I, when I was pregnant, I ate fish too. Um, what, like what, but I do know a lot of pregnant people worry about fish. So Mm -hmm. what, what fish do you like? What fish are you a fan? Like low toxicity fish? Yeah. So I definitely think salmon is great. And generally I recommend wild caught really of any fish that you're going to be eating. Uh, But yeah, salmon's great. And when we're thinking about raw fish, generally raw salmon is what people eat and what people crave too. (laughs) And it's so funny because people will always message me all the time and ask me like, I am literally craving sushi and not like the cooked rolls, like the raw sushi. And I'm like, yes, it's because the nutrients in the raw fish are actually more bioavailable. So your body is like, give me all those nutrients in there. Um, but besides mm. salmon, um, I, I think sardines are a great choice. Any of the littler fish like sardines, herring, I mean, shrimp is fine too, as long as it's cooked. Um, I'm trying to think what other fish I usually recommend. Um, it's you not can a do- fish, but I craved oysters like crazy. Oh yeah. Smoked, smoked oysters. My midwife, I can't remember what nutrient it was, but she looked it up and told yeah, me what B12. So apparently my body needed that. So I think that's huge. <laughs> just listen. I know yeah. you had something on your Instagram that was showing cravings and the yes. reason behind them. I think that's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a bit about that. What are some cravings and why somebody might like the Easter is the B12. What else? Yeah. And so definitely sushi is um, usually the DHA, but it also is selenium and iodine. Those other nutrients that I was saying people often and lacking earlier. Dairy is usually the iodine too, because your needs increase by about 50% for iodine in pregnancy. Um, so that's usually why people will crave dairy. It's because it's a, it's a good source of iodine. Um, and then what was the other one I was just thinking? Um, oh, pickles. Usually people will crave pickles because of the sodium. Um, and your body actually needs that salt during pregnancy. This is another thing we've all been told to fear, right? Is like salt. We shouldn't be eating any salt, get low sodium, everything and low sodium, this, and don't put salt on your food. Um, when in reality, it's a very necessary nutrient, um, especially in pregnancy. Oh, fruit. A lot of people crave fruit, like watermelon and stuff. And usually that's just purely because of the hydration factor. I ate a million clementine oranges. That was one of my big cravings. So maybe vitamin C, I don't know. I was Yeah. And also folate. A lot of the citrusy ones like grapefruit and stuff oh, have a um, folate too, so it's that a good one. Sense. Yeah. Do you think there's an over preoccupation with eating and organic food and don't eat sugar and do eat like do you ever worry about your clients 
just being overly fixated on food or do you think that that's a good thing? Like, do you think fixation and knowing a lot and being educated? Because they can, there can be this cross between you know so much, but then you become hypervigilant. Yeah. Then, you know, and, and I work with a lot of women who have had serious injuries to their pelvic floor and core, and mm-hmm. they are, and um, Lindsay works with them too a lot, and, you know, they are really hypervigilant. They're terrified in a way to move. So I guess I'm, and one of the yeah. key things Lindsay and I are always encouraging our our people is to really, like, uh, trust their bodies and trust movement. So I'm curious in the world of nutrition, which can often be um, confused with the word diet, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. But in the world, like, do you see that too? Do you see people getting overly fixated, hypervigilant, controlling, and crazed? And what do you do when you see that as a clinician? Is there something you say, do, is there a, a method or an approach, or are you okay with that? Yeah, no, I definitely get what you're saying. And I, I think that can, that can definitely happen. Um, I'm super about like making my clients and my students in my program as educated as possible so they can make an informed decision on what's right for them um, and their pregnancy. But I do think there is a cross the line point where it starts affecting like your mental health and that's not a good thing either. So it's really about finding that middle ground where you feel like, okay, I'm doing the best that I can with the information that I have right now. Um, but I'm not driving myself crazy to where I have anxiety and I'm thinking about food all the time. And if we go out for a cheeseburger or something, I just, I can't eat it. Um, I would never want that for anyone. So if I see that happening, I'm going to be honest, like I, I don't have a lot of clients who are that crazy obsessive. And now I'm thinking in my head, like, hopefully that's good on my part. Like I'm just doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, so, totally. Or, yeah. or maybe, maybe it's just, I'm attracting those kind of people who Absolutely. aren't super vigilant about it. Um, I do, I do have a handful of clients that I'll get that are really crazy about like supplements and like powders and things. Yes. And I kind of have to, you know, talk them off the ledge about like, well, we, we actually don't need these things. Like we can use food and a lot of those things are just pretty much wasting your money on them. You don't really need those things. So that's something I would say I'd talk more about than like just overdoing everything and being kind of crazy about being perfect 100% of the time. So yeah, people get I really don't... obsessed with their supplements, you're saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I can see that. And I get targeted on Facebook and Instagram a lot for these supplements and the ads are super sexy. The ads are so impossible <laughs> yeah. to say no to. Exactly. But I um I, you know, I'm like fuck supplements. So I, you know, I don't get drawn <laughs> in, but sometimes yeah, I, I laugh them. at myself because I think, ooh, if I was I get drawn in by like cute earrings. I'm like, I'll take those. But supplements, I'm like, I roll. However, I was at the gym recently and uh, one of the trainers there who's really into nutrition, although he's not a nutritionist, he's just like a hobbyist. And he was talking to a client who is a vegetarian and was trying to avoid a lot of beans because, you know, she's, she's suddenly hit up on like the whole paleo conversation. And so she was like, how do I how do I do this? I'm a vegetarian. I need protein. I'm um, not a fan of, I don't want to eat a lot of beans. I don't want to get my 
carbs involved in my protein intake. And he was really pushing the protein powder on her. So I'm curious, yeah, what is your take on protein powders? Like are, especially for that vegetarian population, and I'm talking now prenatal, postnatal, you know, a lot people are protein obsessed right now, whether you're doing paleo or keto or I don't know what, like whatever you're doing. So what is your take on protein powders? Yeah, I get this question a lot and I'm actually about to write a pretty lengthy blog post about it um, because I get this question so much and people are very curious. And I think it's also, again, because of all the ads, like we just mentioned, (laughs) there's so (laughs) many ads and like new companies with all these crazy protein powders. Um, So I think there's definitely a use for it. But going back to my philosophy about food first, if we can get protein through food, I definitely think that's the first route to go. Back to the first trimester again with the nausea and food aversions and all of the things, um, I do think there is a use for it during that time because Mm. protein is, you know, still important and we still want to try to get our protein in for the day. Um, so if you can, you know, whip up a smoothie, if that's the only thing that you can get down, um, and you want to add a little protein and add protein powder in that way, I think that's okay. Um, of course you can add different nuts and seeds for your protein as well. So it just kind of depends on the person (laughs) back to the individualization thing definitely would depend on the person and kind of what the rest of their day looks like too and we can see do we actually need this protein powder or can we just eat hard-boiled hard-boiled eggs (laughs) yeah right it's a really good point so we are going to wrap up in a few moments i have one more question maybe Lindsay might but my my last question is um so microbiomes they are such a buzzword to me at least i feel like every which way people are talking about gut health and microbiomes. So could you talk a little bit about what, when people talk about microbiomes, I feel like also people use that word to sell their powders and stuff. So, um, (laughs) you know, their potions and lotions. So I'm curious about what, and, and also what are the implications? Are there implications on outcomes? Is gut health important for a pregnant person and if so, then how do we help our pregnant people get the good microbiomes? Yeah. So basically microbiome is just a word for the bacteria in your body. Um, I don't know why. I mean, there's also different words too. Like I can't even remember it now, but there's like multiple words out there that just mean the bacteria in your body, um, whether that's specifically talking about your gut or the bacteria in other places. We have bacteria everywhere in our body, which is a good thing. We definitely want it there. And there's definitely a relation to pregnancy. There's a lot of research on this topic. And I think I was sharing, sharing it on my Instagram the other day and you were like, Ooh, I want to ask you about this. I was like, yeah, definitely. So there's definitely research on having that healthy balance of gut bacteria. Um, and what they find is when there is an un- imbalance of you know, gut bacteria that it is linked to 
core pregnancy outcomes, like whether that's gestational hypertension or gestational diabetes, um, those two have both been linked to an imbalance of bacteria in the gut. Um, so then thinking about, okay, how are we going to balance that bacteria? Of course, I like to use food first. Um, so eating probiotic rich foods is a great way to do that. And then also keeping in mind we need prebiotics as well. So essentially just dietary fiber. We need to consume both of those ideally from food. Um, however, if you do not like any form of probiotic rich foods, that may be warrant for a supplement. Um, of course, again, individualized basis there, but about half of the research is in relation to probiotic foods and half of it's in relation to probiotic supplements. Um, so both of them are kind of showing that they have benefits in the end. Amazing. Can you give a few examples, just in case our listeners are not familiar with this topic of pre and probiotic foods? Yeah. So probiotic foods is like yogurt, um, sauerkraut. So any fermented vegetables, um, fermented beverages, miso, kefir, those are a few. Then prebiotics. Prebiotics is like asparagus, garlic, onions, leeks is a good one too. Artichokes, great as well. So yeah, how and would somebody know, can I ask a question? How yeah. would someone know, would there be symptoms if they had poor microbiome or like how mm -hmm. can we tell if we, I mean, it sounds like everyone needs this, but are there symptoms or do things show up if we're deficient? That's a good question. Like your gut microbiome, like nutrition is definitely a factor, but also like stress levels, sleep, all of these things, like your gut microbiome is like in a state is constantly fluctuating is how I'll say it. Um, so based off of your sleep, your stress, your nutrition, your hydration, like all of these things play a role. Um, as far as how you would know if your gut balance was off, um, maybe, I don't know, I, I would say it's just like normal other symptoms. So it would be like, hard to identify that that was the cause, I guess is what I'm saying. There's no like, oh, if you are sleeping bad, it's probably your gut microbiome, if that makes sense. Like, there's sure. no, like we can't say that, you know? So my follow-up question to that, and then I promise we are going to wrap it up, <laughs> is that I, there's so much to talk about, is that I, I often have, I have a lot of clients with a lot of digestive issues. And that really goes hand in hand with having a compromised core. Because if we think about it, our core musculature is part of the digestive system because it provides so much compression to the organs and the system. So when right. that when that muscular uh, support is compromised, then digestion can often be a big issue, bloating and gas. So um, I've seen this phenomena of a bunch of my clients going to functional medicine doctors, and they do this battery of tests that cost about uh, $5,000, somewhere between $2,500 and $5,000. Wow. And then they're given, all of them are inevitably told that their gut health sucks. <laughs> and that they then need, to, you know, they have like this laundry list of everything that's wrong, but predominantly gut health. And so I am curious what your take is on functional medicine and that whole kind of battery of testing and that whole system. What's your, what's your opinion? Yeah, I, I think there's definitely a need for more functional medicine type 
doctors because they are talking more about nutrition. And I think that's very different from when you go to the normal doctor. The normal doctor just wants to give you, you know, cover your symptoms up with a medication. So I think it's a good thing that more people are seeking that kind of help out because they are talking about nutrition. Um, I don't know if all of the crazy tests are always necessary. Again, I'd have to know like the individual person to wonder if those tests are needed for them or not. And I'm granted, I don't know how all of them work. I don't know if they're just like, Oh, here, we're going to do all these tests for literally everyone that comes in the door. Um, or maybe they are a bit more, you know, unique to whoever they're seeing and whatever the symptoms are testing wise. Usually what I recommend for my clients, I'm able to, they're able to get from their like OBGYN. Sometimes I get pushback like we were talking earlier that vitamin D testing is not universal. Um, that's definitely true. Some physicians or some OBGYNs don't run it until my clients go in and they're like, Hey, my dietitian wanted you to test my vitamin D. And they're like, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, some of my clients, like if I did have like a V like a client that was vegan for the past five years, I probably would have them, you know, get their B12 vitamin D magnesium at the least get some of those things tested. Okay. That's great. Lindsay, did you have any final questions? No, I think that was amazing. That was great. Lots of good information. So much good information. So Ryan, tell our listeners where they can find you. Yeah. So I am definitely on Instagram. That's probably my biggest um, way to reach me at prenatal nutritionist, but um, you can also email me um, hello at the prenatal nutritionist.com or visit my website, the prenatal nutritionist.com. And your uh, prenatal program, you said your prenatal virtual nutrition program is going to be evergreen available to everyone soon at the end of March. Yes. Yes. Yeah, 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 definitely. So a lot more information about the P plus program on my Instagram account. Um, There's a link there where you can get on the wait list. Um, So if you are, yeah, if you're more interested in that program, I would definitely get on the wait list because you'll be the first to know when it opens. Um, And I usually run like some launch specials and cool bonuses and things like that. So awesome. It's been super enlightening talking to you. And thank you. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you all for listening to the One Strong Mama podcast for birth professionals. If you haven't already, please leave us a rating and a review. We really do appreciate all of the support. If you are a birth worker with an inspiring client, or if you have a birth pro in mind that we should definitely chat with, please email us at podcast at onestrongmama.com. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram at onestrongmamaprenatal for tips for all stages of pregnancy. And definitely join in on the discussion in the One Strong Mama Facebook community group. See you here next time. This episode is brought to you by the One Strong Mama program, the game-changing prenatal and postnatal program that prepares the body for pregnancy, birth, and beyond based on the Body Ready Method, teaching birth and fitness pros how to assess and train prenatal clients. Go to onestrongmama.com to learn more.